You're listening to the Elephant in the Room Property Podcast, where the big things that never get talked about actually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent, and co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia. And I'm Chris Bates, financial planner, mortgage broker, and wealth coach. And together, we're going to uncover who's really making the decisions when you buy a property. Our guest this week won't be with us in person. I'd like to be able to say they'll be with us in spirit, but they'd probably rather we didn't talk about their story at all. So why are we talking about them? Well, we think they're probably Australia's most famous property dumbos and their string of mistakes cost them millions of dollars. Their story shows us that even the rich and famous are susceptible to poor decision-making and there are takeaways for all of us here. Listen carefully because you might be able to guess who they are before we reveal all later in the show. And stick around for this week's Elephant Rider Bootcamp because you know we want to make you a better elephant rider. Before we get started, Everything we talk about on this podcast is general in nature and should never be considered to be personal financial advice. If you're looking to get advice, please seek the help of a licensed financial advisor or buyer's agent. They will tailor and document their advice to your personal circumstances. Now let's get cracking. Now, even though we've called these people Australia's most famous property dumbos, we don't want you to think we aren't sympathetic to their situation. Regardless of their fame, they are real people, and we're sure that this whole mess must have been deeply traumatic. This whole mess ended up costing them millions of dollars in losses, damages, and legal fees. We're only going to mention their name once, and that will be later in the episode. We haven't picked this example because we want to trade on their fame, nor are we wanting to shame them. Every week, we hear incredible stories of the dumb things property buyers do. Dumb things that end up costing them a lot of money and or creating a whole lot of stress. Mistakes that can be avoided. And this one's a doozy. So let's follow this story one step at a time. It all starts back in 2011 when the property market was pretty slow. This couple decided they wanted to move house for some reason after being in their home for only three years. So mistake number one, it sounds to me like they didn't buy the right home in the first place. I mean, how many people do you come across, Chris, who buy the wrong home? I guess when I'm sitting down with clients, we're we're really thinking what they're doing today is something that that leads them into their next stepping stone. So outgrowing your property is probably one of the biggest mistakes first home buyers make. They'll buy an apartment when... In three years' time, they knew they were planning to have kids and the apartment was never going to be big enough for them and the kids. So I guess it's also when, you know, interstate buyers are moving to new locations and they start making friends in different locations. So I'm pretty sure it's pretty common. Look, I know it's common, actually. I've come across it a lot. And I think that's true. I think people who are about to have children don't know what's next. Or people that have just had children don't know what it's like to have toddlers or people that have got toddlers don't know what it's like to have kids at school age. So I think it's quite common that often people don't know what's in the next phase of their life and it's often happens sooner than you actually think it's going to come about. So that is one reason why people move quickly. Other reasons is, you know, because they just jump too quickly as well and they're impetuous and they actually think that they want a property or they think that they've made the right decision or they just don't think at all they're completely ruled by the elephant. Okay, on with the story. Here's mistake number two. Then they listed their home with unrealistic price expectations. Now, this story was in all the papers and on television, was everywhere at the time, and according to an account I read in The Australian, they claimed that the agent had enticed them with the view that their house could be sold for around $4 million before quoting $3.5 million to buyers. 
So they fell for that agent trick of buying the listing? Well, and that is a trick that a lot of people fall for, actually, that agents will go in and, and they flatter the owner of the house with a price that they think the owner wants to hear and then they go to market with the price that they really think the market will pay. So that does happen a lot, but it's actually worse than that in this case. And we aren't even at the really expensive part yet. See, they bought this house back in July 2009 for $4.4 million. So mistake number three is that they actually paid too much money in the first place because only three years later the agent told them they'd get $4 million, so they already dropped 400000 from what they paid. And I would have imagined that's a difficult conversation to have. As an agent telling a vendor that your house, I'm so sorry, is actually worth less than you paid for it. So they've paid 4.4, but now they're trying to sell it for four, but the buyers are now getting quoted 3.5. Yeah. So they paid way too much in the first place. But, you know, I've been doing a bit of digging here, a bit of research, and I discovered that when they bought it, it had been on the market for 118 days. Right. So it's taken four months and it hasn't sold. So, I mean, it's hardly a hot property that, is going to sell in in weeks. Well, um, yes. I mean, is that because it was a, you know, were they you know, they wanting too much for it? I mean, there's probably a good time to to get a good price rather than overpaying. Well, exactly. I mean, I think well, mistake number four here is they didn't do their research, really, because I can't imagine when a buyer finds a property in a fairly flat market like 2009 was. I mean, this is just post GFC. They've walked in off the street. The agent must have, <laughs> must have been so excited to see them coming. They've walked in off the street. They've seen amazing value in this property. It's been on the market for four months and they've gone and paid $4.4 million for it and then three years later it's worth 900000 less than they actually paid for it. So did they fall in love with it? Was the elephant completely running the show? I mean... I find this whole, this, is, and this isn't even getting to the nuts and bolts of this story, by the way. I haven't even got to the best bit. So, so what, what happens now? They've got this property that they've been there for three years. They've overpaid. You know, they've tried to sell it. Agents quoting him, you know, almost a million dollars less of what they're paid. What, what happens next? Okay. So look, back to the story. So before they actually listed the house, so at this point of time, they don't know that the market's going to pay 3.5. They only know that the agents told them it's probably going to get four, right? So they already know that they're losing some money, but they've gone out shopping for another home. And they found one in Paddington. And so in September of 2011, they exchanged contracts on this house for $6.35 million. So they've bought another house without selling their home? Yep. Okay. Now, as we all know, buying before selling isn't always a mistake, so I'm not actually going to count that as a mistake. Um <laughs> But it is if you need the funds from your sale to settle on your new home. You have to be pretty confident on your selling price. And, I mean, if the agent's saying four mil and they have potentially inflated that to get the listing and they haven't spoke to multiple agents and done their own research and figured out it's probably only going to sell, get 3.5, pretty big gamble. So what happens next? <laughs> well, look. They hadn't learnt their lesson about overpaying, but more about that later. So they bought this property in September and so for the benefit of the listeners, exchanging contracts in New South Wales means that it's unconditional unless you've only exchanged with a five-day cooling-off period, in which case after five days 
it's unconditional. But at the end of the day, when you exchange contracts on a property in New South Wales, you are expected to come out with the balance of the money and settle on that property and complete the sale, usually in six weeks, but it could stretch out to three months as it did in this case. And in which case, in this particular instance, they were meant to settle on New Year's Eve. Interesting date for settling, but anyway. So they bought this in September. They didn't actually put their property on the market until November and it failed to sell at auction. And ultimately it did sell for a lot less than they banked on for $3.5 on Christmas Eve. So they made a $900,000 loss. Right. Ouch. And it gets worse. <laughs> so let me get this right. They've bought for $6.35 million without even selling their home. Yep. And then even after they bought it, they stuffed around for a few months, finally <laughs> got the house on the market in November when they know they need to settle on the other property on New Year's Eve. Mm. So they've given themselves six weeks. Yep. To sell a $4 million property, it's it's, it's not easy. So Tough did, time of year too because just before Christmas well, is that's usual. Right, November isn't it? is not the best time to put your property on the market. Probably a great time to be buying rather than selling. So that's probably another another mistake. But when it didn't sell at auction, they pretty much had to take a cut price because they needed that cash to yeah. the new settlement. It's not looking good. So what else? What, okay. what, what happened next? It actually gets worse. And when I started researching this, I really was blown away. Okay, as if they weren't busy enough, right, they've managed to find a house they like better than the one they bought at Paddington. But they've exchanged. Yep. <laughs> Just hear me out here. Or maybe maybe they thought they couldn't afford the $6.35 million they offered and went out looking for a cheaper house. I'm actually not sure what the story was because, get this, on the same day that they sell their first house, which incidentally is in Bronte, they buy another one. So I'll just let that sink in. On Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve they sell their house. They also buy another one, another one in Bronte, this one for $5.5 million. And a Do week they after that. need two that, houses? <laughs> I don't know. This is the thing. I don't think they needed two houses and I would, I would love to actually understand why they did this. Okay, but this is mistake number six. In fact, it's probably seven, eight, nine, but there, there's so many mistakes in this. Okay, on New Year's Eve, the day they were meant to settle on the Paddington house. Let's just remind listeners of the chronology here. On Christmas Eve, they sold their first Bronte house and they bought a second Bronte house. It's a very busy day, selling and buying on the same day. On the same day. On New Year's Eve, they were meant to settle on the first house they bought in Paddington. But, of course, they couldn't because they didn't have enough money. And so they advised the vendor and the sales agent that they couldn't afford to complete the sale. So, of course, as you could expect, they take them to court. And in a quote from her email to the vendor after they decided to sue them, and I read this in the Herald, she said, we can no longer buy your beautiful house. We don't have the finances to go through with the purchase. For the sake of both our families, I implore you to find a way to settle this less publicly. They've committed to a sale. They have to go ahead with it. So how are they backing out of a $6.35 million sale if signed an unconditional contract? Not only that, but they've bought another house instead. <laughs> so, oh, look, there's, there's a whole, there's lots to unwrap in this. But look, so we have a whole bundle of mistakes here. Mistake seven, they bought the wrong house. The second time. Again, yeah. Mistake eight, 
They didn't realise there were penalties for not completing the sale after exchanging contracts. Mistake nine, exchanging contracts on a second house without having finance in place just in case. And mistake 10, thinking the vendor would take pity on them. So so what did they end up doing here? They Did they get out of the contract for the purchase? Well, they got out of it but not without a fair bit of penalty. So... That Paddington house ended up selling the following April, so it took four months for them to find another buyer and it sold for $5.5 million. So that's $850,000 less than our Dumbos agreed to pay for it in the previous September. So again, they've paid too much. Yep. Again, they've paid too much. And this was in the papers and it was in, in on television and all the rest of it. So the court's did award in favour of the vendors and then there was an appeal. The end result was that our Dumbos were out of pocket 920000 plus costs and then you have to add their own legal bills and the total would have been a fair bit over a million. Easily. So they they didn't get to buy the house. All they did was sign a contract for a property they didn't want to buy and they pretty much just lost a million dollars. Yeah, a million. Just gone. Well, yes. In they, fact, more than a million when you add in all the costs, but also when you add in the $900,000 they dropped on the first Bronte sale anyway. So their mistakes so far have cost them in excess of $2 million. Okay, great. So they're $2 million on the, like, down now. What about the, the, the other home? Did they end up buying that other home? Yes, so they did complete, they did settle on the second Bronte house. And can you believe it? They sold that. <laughs> it just gets worse. I mean, I'm laughing, but it's, I'm, I'm actually mortified on their behalf. It's just this absolute cluster of um, of mistakes. So, so how long did they stay in Bronte for? This less than three is... years. So in the last six years, they bought three houses. The first house they lost a million on. The second house they never lived in it and they lost another million on. And then the third house, did they actually make any money on that? or? Well... Uh, can you believe it? Okay, there's more mistakes here. We've got mistake number 12, buying the wrong house for the third time. Mistake number 13, not learning from your other mistakes. And guess what? They paid too much again because they did sell it. They sold it in the middle of Sydney's last property boom and they made a gain of only $250,000 with a sale price of $5.75 million. And so that's not really even a gain if you take into consideration stamp duty and selling costs and maintenance, they pretty much lost money again. Oh, they definitely did. The stamp duty on that purchase would have been around 325000 Right. So they definitely lost money. Definitely. So add in the other purchase costs and selling costs and I think their total mistake bill is now sitting around two and a quarter million dollars. Right. So... Uh... Sounds like they potentially should have never sold the first house or never overpaid for it and they'd be well up. Did Bronte in that period do well or was it pretty flat? Well, I guess what you're talking about here is opportunity cost. <laughs> so what else could they have done with their money? Yeah. Well, actually, you know, in my research here, I did look into how Bronte had performed in that period. So in that period of time that they owned the third property, the second Bronte house, the median house price for Bronte actually went up 24%. And so if we're talking a property worth $5.5 million, it should have went from 5.5 to about 7 You were, you know, maybe 6.5. But it's gone from 5.5 to 5.75. So 
Maybe they overpaid by, I don't know, 500 to a million dollars again? Quite possibly. So, look, I think to sum up all the mistakes here, and uh, as I said, it, what was mostly publicised in this particular story was the fact that they didn't settle on the Paddington house and so therefore lost money when they went to court when they were sued by the owners. And so that was that was really the story. And when I started researching this just to think about them as, as property dumbos, as very famous property dumbos, I was absolutely dumbfounded to discover just this train wreck of mistakes. And, look, we come across it all the time. You know, people do buy the wrong property. They do overpay. It's very rare to find people buying three in a row that are the wrong property and overpaying three in a row. And clearly, you know, these guys must be able to afford to lose this much money in property and it's, it's tragic and sad. Most people can't afford to lose any money in property. So I think that I really want to focus on the reason that I wanted to do this as a, as a podcast episode is because I wanted to really highlight the mistakes that lots and lots of buyers make, I mean, this is a highly publicised case, but these are common things that people do all the time. So I think that well, we... That I agree with you. I mean, yes, we're talking in the millions here and we're talking at three mil and four mil and five mil, but this could be a $300,000 place that yeah. you pay three fifty four, and then you sell it two years later for three hundred, and then you buy another place at four hundred, and then you sell it at four twenty. So it's all relative, you know, and I guess that that's the thing here is that what they're doing here is they're buying the wrong house three times. They've overpaid multiple times. Like you said, they've never learned from any of their mistakes. And I guess even buying a property unconditional and not going ahead with the purchase, you know, that is, is, is probably got to be the biggest dumbo I've heard. <laughs> this is the point where we usually thank our guests. Well, Tony Collette and Dave Galafassi, thank you. You've really taught us some valuable lessons about what not to do when buying and selling your home. Look, we really genuinely feel heartbroken for you. But from where we stand, it looks like you were sailing a big rudderless ship. Or riding a very willful elephant. We want to make you a better elephant rider. This week's elephant rider training is all about the power of getting good advice. I can only imagine that if these guys had got good advice at any step along this way, that they would not have made the mistakes that they made. And that good advice could have come from a whole range of places. It could have come from the sales agent. Now, that sales agent that told them, you know, they might get $4 million for the property, for instance, well, I don't know whether that agent really told them the truth or not and they didn't want to hear it because it's a bitter pill to swallow. And so that can be a source of good advice. If you are getting good guidance from an agent that is prepared to tell you news that is hard to hear, then sometimes you need to listen to it. They could have also got good advice from a lawyer. I cannot imagine a lawyer would not have advised them prior to exchanging contracts on that Paddington house of their obligations once they exchange contracts. So if they had good advice at that point, surely they never would have got into the situation they got into. And did they use a different lawyer the second time? So were they willing to accept advice? Perhaps they were actually looking and they didn't like what they were told and perhaps they were actually looking to be told what they wanted to hear. So this week's Elephant Rider Bootcamp is really all about are you only taking advice from people who are telling you what you want to hear? So what have we added to our Elephant Memory Bank this week? 
This week we've put together a due diligence checklist. All the things you need to do before you buy any property. You can get access to this due diligence checklist in the show notes for this episode on theelephantintheroom.com.au. Please join us in our next episode when we interview Georgie Bates, who works as a sales agent at Cunningham's over in the Northern Beaches. Now, Georgie is a local expert, a really local expert at Fairlight there. She gives some absolutely practical negotiation tips for buyers. You really don't want to miss out on those. More than that, she does really draw a distinction between advice and being sold to by sales agents. Now, you must listen to that one. The Elephant in the Room Property Podcast is recorded at the Sydney Sound Brewery. This week's podcast was recorded and edited by Gordy Fletcher. Until next week, don't be a dumbo. Be aware, everything we talk about on this podcast is general in nature and should never be considered to be personal financial advice. If you're looking to get advice, please seek the help of a licensed financial advisor or buyer's agent. They will tailor and document their advice to your personal circumstances.